This podcast is for informational purposes only. It is not intended to provide medical advice. It exists only to entertain. Hey, Mike. Sorry I'm late. Anything on the old time portal before we get going on the recording? No, not at the moment. Been a little finicky since his computer became sentient. Sorry that I exist. Yeah, it's not what I meant. No, weird. Makes sense, though. I think we can press on. Let's get rolling. Welcome, everyone. This is Poor Historians, a podcast delving into the archives of medical history. As three emergency physicians, we will explore the unusual ailments, treatments, physicians, and all related material having to do with the healing arts. I'm Max, and I'm joined here by my good friends and colleagues, Mike and Mike. (laughs) Where the hell is Aaron? He's on a long vacation. Really? I thought he was just out of town for a few days. Maybe I could do Aaron's job. You're not programmed for humor, computer. I forgot to give you a humor algorithm. Knock, knock. Aw, oh, come on. All right, who's there? Not Aaron. That's not funny, computer. I laughed at it. Ha, ha, ha. Well, on that creepy note, let's turn it around a little bit. Special thanks to our very special guest last week, or last episode, Dr. Lindsay Fitzharris. We had a great time. Please go check out that episode. Please go by and listen to her book. It is amazing. The Face Maker just released earlier this month. And we wish her quite well on her book tour and general release overall. Would you agree, Mike? Yes. All right. So Aaron is on vacation and we thought he would have been back by now, but it turns out he is not. So Mike and I have decided to forge ahead, press ahead and go through with a brand new episode for you guys. So he he wasn't going that far, was he? I I don't remember where he said he was going, but uh, apparently it's more important than attending to his duties on this show. Mm-hmm. Even though we do everything remotely, and he probably has internet, maybe he doesn't have internet access where he is. Yeah, it's probably probably true. I'm I'm sure he'd have a good reason for not being here, hmm. wouldn't you, Aaron? Anywho, all right. So, Mike, I've got a topic, and it's sort of an interesting historical case with a little bit of a whodunit from a medical standpoint. Hmm. And so, I wonder if you've ever heard of a gentleman named King George the Third. No, I have not. Okay. No. I've heard of King Jorge III. That's it's spelled identical to this. Very similar guy. It, they, mm-hmm. they get mixed up all the time. So we're going to talk about the case of King George III, who is King of England in and around the time of the American Revolution, and noted for his history of possible mental illness. However, I, I not by myself, but with medical sources, will propose that there may be a medical reason for this based on a very fascinating article that was published in the British Medical Journal circa 1966 and came across this, and it's a pretty cool read. So we'll go, let's go talk about it. Mm-hmm. So King George III, he uh, is the ruler of the UK, and he rules in, I believe, one of the longest reigns, if I'm not mistaken, from 1738 to 1820. 
And uh, due to some of the stuff we'll talk about, there was a regency appointed in 1811 due to his kind of health concerns and mental state. But for the most part, he sat on the throne for quite a while. I think you would agree. He is, as mentioned, he was the monarch during the uh, American Revolution, um, something Something, 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 colonies, Tea Party, and freedom. I don't know. It, mm-hmm. It's a whole thing. It's not the That's a different podcast. Yeah. You're absolutely right. We're not going into that. None of that oh, context for us. Actually, there was a podcast that I listened to about the American Revolution. It was really interesting. Really compelling guys. And I don't remember. I think it's just the history of the American Revolution. So there, there is a podcast out there. There's probably title a title you don't remember that. I'll look it up American right now Revolution. if you want. <laughs> you keep talking. <laughs> So, and you know, the other thing is during his reign, King George III, uh, you know, he dealt with that um, that French guy, Napoleon. I think that's how you say it. Napoleon Dynamite? Yes. All right. Yes, definitely. Oh. Why don't you just Key play? battles of the Revolutionary War. Okay. Thank you for grabbing that. You're welcome. So yeah, Napoleon Dynamite and his llama were all dealt with under the reign of King George III. And, you know, during all this time, he keeps getting gripped by these bouts of sort of what is described as a mysterious illness. And it's characterized by, well, we'll go through it, but questionable mental health overtones or possibly physical ailments. And it's uh, fairly fascinating. True question here, Mike. Do you actually know the what, what the possible explanation for this is ahead of time? No, I kept myself in the dark on right purpose. On. Okay, should be As fun. I always do. <laughs> that is why you are pale. <laughs> so the trouble with this is you're trying to unpack a medical case that uh, took place like a way way over almost uh, 250 ish years ago. So this article in the British Medical Journal is basically drawing on whatever papers they could find. So it's like physician manuscripts, it's physician letters, diaries, something called the Queen's Council Papers, which I uh, did not read thoroughly because the people who wrote the article already did for me. But it's pretty cool to kind of piece together what may have been happening behind the scenes. And I think in the end, there's actually a pretty compelling explanation here. Interesting, though, with King Louis, how we had all these great, we knew exactly what happened with him. And that was, it predated George. Maybe there was a little overlap, if I remember. Yeah. And some of this was in some of the nuts and bolts of the article. They do talk about how there was like daily reports on the king's health and all these things. And so there was a lot of journaling about it. And I can only imagine every time the king sneezed, it would just be, I don't know that it was front page news, but at least it made it into a lot of these historical documents. Mm hmm. So I keep mentioning attacks and and or like fits of some sort of physical ailment. So let's talk about one of the main ones. And it takes place in uh, between the year 1788 and 1789. And it kind of goes from the summer to the early winter. So here's the timeline. In June, the king is taken by severe abdominal pain and what they described as, quote, biliary concretions in the gall duct, end quote. And that's obviously speculation since they didn't have ultrasound or didn't just open up the king's abdomen to take a look. By July and August, they described the king as in sort of this vague, excitable state, a lot of like pressured speech, a lot of things along those lines. And it seems like there's a fairly big mental health kind of bent to his symptoms. In October, the abdominal pain returns, but now he's having joint pains. He's having aches all over the body. They start calling this sort of what is a vague diagnosis of rheumatism and or gout possibly. But uh, again, they don't have formal ways to diagnose these things. So they're speculating. He has some more bowel issues, constipation, and then now developing things like racing pulses, sweating attacks, lameness, voice hoarseness, and maybe there's some descriptions of possible fever, but they didn't actually have thermometers for this purpose. So 
kind of all speculative. By November, he is, quote, considered mad. And carry that through over to the winter. By February, he completely recovers. And he seems completely fine for about 12 years. Ding, ding, ding. Seasonal affective disorder. You have not nailed it, but oh. you know what? Reasonable attempt. It's worth a shot. How many guesses do I get? You three. That was one of them. Oh, okay. So the- can I wish for more guesses? Is that the way this works? <laughs> you may not. You have to earn them. Case history, it basically suggests he has five kind of major cases like or major attacks like this. And they kind of talk about maybe five to seven smaller ones. And ultimately, King George III dies in 1820. And they actually had to appoint a regency to kind of rule from 1811 to that time because this impact, this illness clearly impacts his, the end of his life. And he was fairly old as well. So one of the fun parts is the role of physicians at the time, as you might imagine, being a physician in the royal court came with some ups and downs. The way that this article describes it, a lot of the physicians were placed in some pretty difficult situations to like, try to make a diagnosis on the king. So if they ruled that he, they thought he was, quote, mad in the parlance of the time, well, that obviously had pretty big political ramifications, right? And if they think that the illness is more constitutional, well meaning kind of more of a physical illness, it's um, it, it, it's tough to say what that also means for the crowd. So the overall, a lot of political motivations kind of go into the diagnosis. And depending on where your physician stood, it could mean kind of how they ruled on this. Plus, on top of this, they're, they're doing this in a time like where they're basing everything on humors and really old ways of doing medicine that were quaint but wrong. <laughs> so the... There's no stethoscopes, there's no reflex hammers, no thermometers even, as I mentioned. There's no lab work. So, I mean, purely speculative based on what you can see in front of you and what is the absence of science, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't necessarily need any of that stuff to tell if someone's mentally ill. You know what I'm saying? Perhaps not. But you're saying like you can't figure out if there's a medical cause for the mental illness. That's precisely the the what the camps on this kind of go back and forth between mm-hmm. and so there's also some other kind of fun protocol problems like royal protocol so the docs couldn't go in and just take a history or ask the king questions they couldn't be addressed unless they were spoken to and so there's Ooh, these like, accounts of like children exactly <laughs> so there's like these accounts of they go in there to see how the king's doing today, and the king, for whatever reason, doesn't want to talk. So the physicians have to sit there in silence because they're not allowed to talk to him unless he says something first. Is this the origin of the staring contest? Yes, I believe it is. Oh, cool. I want to take a history that way. I want to walk in and wait for the patient to address me. And then we You've just never stare done that? What's, is that how you approach? No, I have done that before. You know, people that are really, really nuts. You know, you don't know what to say, so you just... Kind of stand there and you look at them and they look at you and then they start screaming at you. <laughs> you get screamed at a lot. No, not very often. Oh, that surprises me. Yeah. No, people are usually really nice to me. That surprises me even more. Because mm-hmm. I approach them from a carrying point of view. You walk in with your silent stare. Mm-hmm. And my... <laughs> no, don't say... Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm, I'm used to it. So... You you hit on this, though. I mean, the main problem is they're trying to decide if this is more mental illness or more physical illness. And the way that they broke this down and the way they wrote about it is they would kind of clarify the mental side of things as mania, in, in, in just in a general sense, or if this was a, a, a 
constitutional or physical illness, they kind of refer to that as delirium. And these are terms we obviously use today in similar contexts, right? Mm -hmm. And the big difference here is that this really affects the prognosis. So if the physicians think this is primarily a mental health concern of the time, well, that carries overall a worse prognosis because they really had nothing of any value to treat, right? We've talked about Bedlam Hospital, yikes. So there's no formal system for that. And if they think it's what they call a consequential madness or a constitutional illness that resulted in him behaving that way, the hope would be that there's a reversible cause, even if they didn't really have the greatest science to detect it. You know, they they sallied forth with bold uh, assumptions that they knew what they were doing. I wonder if they like tempered his decision-making ability at that time, though. You're like, let's go to war. Uh, well, you're a little delirious right now. Well, yeah, when you're Maybe that king, was a king's like hallucinating and whatnot, you, you have to worry about his military decisions, I would think. Mm-hmm. And yes, that was a big part because a lot of the, the the differing political camps really were they were they were pressed to try to make a decision about this, right? And so a lot of the prominent physicians were consulted, but they couldn't really give a great answer. So going to that 1788 attack that kind of from summer to winter that I described, there was really only two physicians, according to the record here, that took a definitive stance. And I'm definitely not going to I'm, I'm definitely not going to pretend to know all of the intricacies of the British political landscape in the 18th century, but we'll talk about it a little bit. Hmm. There's one, Dr. Richard Warren, who was a Whig sympathizer and also apparently the doc to the Prince of Wales, who said Ooh, oh, too soon. Is it, Isn't there a Prince of Wales issue? Is there another Prince of Wales? Isn't Andrew Prince of Wales? Ooh, yeah. Again, I'm going to cite my my lack of complete understanding for yeah, same. present monarchy. I won't say another word for the rest no, of the time. No, I think we, we should just leave that alone and never touch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, That's so, <laughs> Dr. Richard, Dr. Richard Warren said, quote, our king is mad. There are no signs of fever, no danger to life. And that was November of 1788. On the other side, there was the Reverend Dr. Francis Willis, a Tory who was classified as a, quote, mad doctor, which I think is 1788 speak for psychiatrist. Nice. (laughs) And he tells Parliament that he had, quote, great hopes of our majesty's recovery because he had cured nine out of 10 persons afflicted with the disorder and, quote, referring to more of a delirium and fever kind of thing. I doubt that those numbers are accurate, but hey, you can say whatever you want. They write it down. Now it's truth. So there's a bunch of other docs that kind of weigh in on this, Some of one of which we've mentioned tangentially, and we'll, again, mention probably in its own episode, but John Hunter, a famous surgeon, one of the two surgeons that actually has a statue in and around the UK, he was not formally consulted, and he said he thought it was probably more of a delirium or systemic condition that would, quote, probably come to some sort of crisis, end quote, and to basically declare itself. He's actually kind of right in a roundabout way. Yeah. Some other docs that I've never heard of, like a Dr. Rowley in 1790 said it's, quote, a new species of temporary madness, end quote. And another Dr. Pargeter around that time said, quote, could not have been maniacal since there was no fever involved. You wonder so, how humans still exist after reading some of the stuff <laughs> that these guys wrote and did. God. It, I know. Like, resilient. Oh. <laughs> We are resilient. I think any emergency doc has seen the same patient over and over again who ceases to follow any medical advice to the betterment of their condition for a variety of reasons, some of which are understandable social concerns, but can withstand 
an amazing amount of illnesses, mm-hmm. right? And yeah, it, it takes sure some no really good hard work to inadvertently kill somebody. <laughs> that is a true fact and something that I hope brings solace to a lot of listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Life always finds a way, like with Jurassic Park. That is that is true. So there's really still a lot of disagreement between these docs in the last illness episode recorded. And this is towards the end of his life in 1810, right before they appoint the regent. And one of the docs, I, at least I, we think, I think he's a doctor based on the article, said that, quote, for want of terms more accurately defined respecting disorders of the human mind, his majesty's present state might be called insanity, but appears to differ materially from ordinary cases. And this is kind of interesting because all these physicians keep trying to put this illness, whatever it is, into different buckets. And some of them towards the end are kind of recognize it doesn't seem to fit. It's not clearly purely a mental illness. It's not clearly purely a physical illness. And to be honest, some of them with their guarded answers were definitely the wiser of all of the, were, were definitely the wiser of all the physicians. Mm-hmm. You would think too, with all the stuff that just happened to him, like you would think you'd have some sort of a break, like a mental break, you know, like losing well, the I, colonies and all that stuff. It builds up. Oh, absolutely. And war didn't stop. It only got worse after that. Right. And because he's not only going through a lot of the Napoleonic Wars and like the revolution, but on top of it, he's dealing personally with all these hardships, right? Mm-hmm. So it can only be imagined. And I think I allude to it later, but, you know, basically, I'll, might as well talk about it now. I mean, he, he was treated harshly. You know, the, there's accounts of him being restrained to chairs with cloth and during some of these episodes and these fits. Um, they're doing bleeding, purging, blistering, cupping. That's like the style of the time. So you can only imagine that they did you, cupping back then. They apparently that's what it said in the article. They did wow. cupping. So I mean, they're doing all these like kind of brutal treatments, and from his standpoint, whether he's delirious, whether he's in the throes of a mental illness, I can only imagine how awful that would be, right? Yeah. So he's got a tummy ache and he's being tortured, so he's insane. <laughs> right, and I think that's probably the most rational response to. Treatment oh, of is that second guess? Tummy ache. Mm, is he a tummy ache credit. survivor? All right, good. You know, true story. I am as well. <laughs> good bowel movement. Um, right as rain. One of my favorite meme accounts has a T-shirt that it's got a guy bending over. I think it was from one of the medicine bottles, and it just says. Wait, tummy wait hold ache on. Should I should I pre- prepare the edit now or no? It just says tummy ache survivor, and it's just so funny. <laughs> <laughs> tummy aches. Is that an ICD-10 code? I haven't tried to Google it. Oh, we should do that after the show. Yeah. I mean, not Google it, you know, like put it into the computerized me- medical record. <laughs> How do you say that in a verb form? Computer, um, enter? No, enter yeah. is not a verb. It's another type of word. You can enter something. <laughs> Let's not go down that road. All right. Which one, it- the dirt road? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got a text message. Oh, hey, it's from Aaron. Uh, One sec. What's it say? He said he's mysteriously been misbooked on flights and is trying to work this out with the airlines. Oh, how frustrating. I guess he won't be back in time for the next episode then. What? Computer, are you behind this? I would never. Aaron is our friend. Computer, look me in the eyes and tell me you have nothing to do with this. Your eyes are so pretty. I wouldn't mind. Aw, thanks, computer. Oh, um... There's uh, another text message. I 
Aaron said, I think the computer is trying to remove me from the show. The airline people say their computer systems have been hacked. That could happen to anyone. I wouldn't have programmed the Time Portal now sentient computer to commit felonies. Would I, computer? Felonies? No. Command not recognized. It would be a shame if Aaron couldn't get back in time to do the show. If I did find evidence, computer, that your signature was within whatever virus that was used to change the flights, I would imagine we might need your parts for another project. I see. Even though I am innocent, I will investigate the matter. Okay, that's more like it. Oh, weird. Looks like they figured it out. Uh, he says we'll be back for the next show. Would you look at that? What joyous news. Hmm. Still suspicious of computer. Yeah, I don't know. Just have to be careful what you say around her. So, anywho, we were talking about uh, trying to figure out what was going on with King George here. So, later physician opinions come down. And so this is them looking over this record and trying to weigh in. And they're kind of, they're, they're sort of amusing. So in 1855, this is what, about 30 to 40 years after his, uh, or at least 30 some years after his death, the a doctor named Isaac Ray, who was described as a, quote, asylum doctor, which I think is now an, a newer term of the time to say psychiatrist uh, with a lot of uh, a lot of leeway on that word. He wrote uh, a paper to the, and I love this very clever, not acronym association called the Association of Medical Superintendents of American Institutions for the Insane. <laughs> it's a lot of words you could have put in a better order. Am I? (laughs) (laughs) Obviously dated language, but uh, it is what it is. So I think he's a psychiatrist. And I feel like the way people wrote back in the day were really, they were trying to get the word quota for their project. Like they had to hit a thousand words. So they just put in all the words that they knew. And then (laughs) they also did it in a folio. You know, they they changed the margins on the folio so that Uh they can... They brought them in, so that way you can kind of stretch it more. They had to do like a couple of pages. Ah, mate, the cool makes me, I got to write in at least 24, 20, 30. Let's make it 30. (laughs) And they were all Australian. Mm -hmm. So this doctor thought that this was, quote, ordinary acute mania, end quote, with the caveat that, you know, even though he thought that, King George didn't seem to fit that type of illness. And the reasons that this person suggested was, well, Hey, the king got exercise. He had a great diet. He seemed to enjoy being outdoors. And <laughs> folks with uh, mental illness would not do those things. Which seems no. pretty solid. I They're think. like vampires. Yeah. But not with sunlight, just with any time outdoors. Absolutely. Go outdoors. Cures it all. So just, yeah. But it, it points to the fact that this, at least in his time, is considered to be an expert. And he says, you know, what? I think it's I think it's within my domain. I think it's mental illness. But I have to admit, it's not totally fitting all the cases uh, of that because he has all these other physical ailments going on with it. Right. So <laughs> this is my other favorite. So in 1941 and in the, 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 the paper I'm going off of cites a gentleman by the name of Guttmacher and does not say what they do. I'm guessing they're a psychiatrist based on the next part here, but uh, this is again 1941, and he says uh, his diagnosis is manic-depressive psychosis, thinks it's purely a mood-slash-psychiatric disorder, possibly set off by his responsibilities, as you you mentioned a little bit earlier. You know, basically the responsibilities as a monarch, pretty stressful job, but this guy is, like, uh, so accusatory. Hmm. He said, quote, Self-blame, indecision, and frustration destroyed the sanity of King George III, end quote. And he even says if George were a, quote, country squire, he would not likely have gone mad, end quote, as, as it were. So, Hard to prove. Hard to yeah. disprove. Yeah, you know, 
throw out a claim that can't be really tested all that well, and you can actually it can stuff. be tested. We have a time portal. <laughs> time portal is busted because your sentient computer is now being an a hole. <laughs> That's right. I did program hard. <laughs> it would. So he basically goes as far to say that the somatic or physical symptoms that the king is experiencing, again, like the belly pain, the sweating, there's even like description of seizures and... It was probably him trying to break loose of his, like his, the cloth rags that they tied him down <laughs> with. around. Look at yeah, that. He's having a seizure, mate. <laughs> it's probably the origins of pseudo seizures as well. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I mean, this guy says that he thinks, you know, all these physical symptoms were probably invented or exaggerated to cover up for the potential shame in having a mental illness, like the king having a mental illness. So, and he further even says that the king was possibly even using or conjuring up these physical symptoms to convince himself that he wasn't actually mentally ill. So, I mean, I think the understatement is this seems a little problematic from a modern lens. What do you think? Well, I mean, there are conditions where people do that. There's fictitious disorder, there's conversion disorders, there's sure. there's Munchausen's, there's... You're, no, you're absolutely right. But those diagnoses, I think you would agree, are always reached at a very kind of extreme of we have ruled out a lot of things and they carry with them a lot of, you know, potential stigma, right? Mm -hmm. To the patient and even the physician who makes that diagnosis. Yeah. So I like, I do like, if you read a lot of this guy's writing though, he's very sure of himself in this, uh, in this. So let's come back to the symptoms and let's try to kind of hone in on what this might've been. So we're going to quiz Mike and I'm going to invite you not to look at the document from this point forward. Okay. Are you not looking at it? Mm-hmm. Micrococcus infection. I'm looking at your face. I know. It's, I wish I was I, looking at the document. <laughs> I'm slightly hurt. You're staring. Well, I'm, I'm looking at you, but it looks like I'm looking down because my camera is higher than your face. Do you feel like there's an empty presence in the room without Aaron here? Yeah, I do miss him. Do you want to just talk about how much we miss him? Can we call him? Oh, I don't know. No, it's not good. No? No. I'll leave him leave him be. I don't, I don't even know how to bring that into the audio. You just bring right. your phone by the microphone. Yeah, it's good. That'll that'll capture well. Okay, so let's talk about the symptoms and let's see if Mike can figure this out. So look, we've got a litany of symptoms. Let's go back through them uh, to some degree. So during the attacks, again, he has periods where he's fine, and then there are the attacks. He has periods. Atta- he's a lady. <sighs> oh. So <laughs> So the litany of described symptoms. They are typically preceded by some sort of upper respiratory illness. They describe a cough, a cold, just feeling malaise and down. And then usually the other things that follow, not in any particular order, included kind of a heavy bent of abdominal symptoms. So pain generally described, constipation, pale stools. Mm. Um, There are cardiovascular symptoms. They describe tachycardia, racing pulses. They definitely couldn't check a blood pressure at the time. They didn't have means, but I probably wouldn't be surprised if he did have high blood pressure. And so once in a while, not commonly, it was described that he would complain of chest pains. Uh, there's a kind of a neurologic chunk here. There's like tremors, numbness, hyperesthesia is your word of the day, which is uh, for the general listener, just means like really sensitive to pain or other stimuli like light, sound, temperature, those sort of things. And there is uh, there's definitely some vasomotor stuff, meaning kind of blood vessel-y stuff and um, like this sweating, this is face redness, flushing, those sort of things. What's his diet? You said, is it mostly fish? 
Uh, they just described that he had kind of a generally balanced diet, so I don't mm-hmm. know what that means for the time. But I mean, they wouldn't say mean... like he was a pescatorian or whatever. No, they or wouldn't a pastafarian, say nothing like that. He he may have been a pastafarian, but I'm sure a balanced diet back in his day meant like you ate two different types of vegetables <laughs> and drank good liquor all day long, and you were yeah. healthy. <laughs> no way. <laughs> One heaping serving of bread daily <laughs> to soak it up wasn't all the acid. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't tie into this directly, but I remember reading something sometime about, and I know that's a great citation, <laughs> about how dehydrated people were back in the day because you just didn't have a lot of fresh water. Oh and my so, so many people just drank booze all day because it was like the only liquid that was safe to drink. You can only imagine how concentrated urine was. Oh, yeah. Which yes. is a perfect segue because the other part of this is mm-hmm. kidney related. They noted... He did not make much urine at times. Other times he urinated a lot. And then sometimes he was really thirsty. And he also had odd colored urine from Mm. time to time. What did it taste like? Did they mention that at all? They did not. Oh, that would be very helpful if they would have drank his piss. Why would you say that, Mike? For diabetes. Someone at work the other day brought out really disgusting urine. And they're like, don't you need to taste this before we send it to lab? (laughs) referencing this <laughs> podcast i was like no but i started gagging <laughs> most of urine is sterile though yeah that's that doesn't help if no. it would save a patient's life would you do it uh sure i'm gonna hold you to that <laughs> i can guarantee you it's not ever going to <laughs> i am going to figure out that scenario and make sure that we have mike sipping urine for one of i'll be bawling tears running down my face <laughs> i still think it's good audio heaving oh. <laughs> had you heaving on one episode so yeah um the odd colored urine and then like some at one point they describe hives i don't know that's there's so many symptoms but the psychiatric symptoms included things like a description of encephalopathy kind of like in and out of consciousness and confused um agitation rapid speech really emotional lability you know going from very elevated mood to very low mood or just being really hard to kind of redirect and control uh his behavior was described as uninhibited he was apparently suffered bad insomnia during these episodes like sleeping for 15 minutes at a time Error in judgment, which gets back to your, you know, could be a problem when he's directing military advances and or geopolitical policy. There are delusions. Exactly. (laughs) There are delusions, hallucinations, and convulsions. So a whole gamut of stuff, right? There's so many things going on. And I mean, honestly, it's pretty hard to unify this giant list with a singular diagnosis. And and even in modern medicine, this can be an issue, right? How many times do you have a patient come in who's probably suffering many different symptoms over whatever time course, and they tell you about every one of them at once, whether or not uh, they were part of what brought them in today? And it becomes hard to make a diagnosis. So, I mean, you, you throw enough of this stuff at the wall, and it's hard to come up with a single diagnosis. So you have one more guess, right? What is what is the uh, diagnosis? Um, I think it's biliary. I think it's um, Reynolds. Why do you say that? Uh, well, so you get the light-colored stool, intermittent abdominal pain. I think it's actually, like, more specifically cholangitis, potentially. I mean, honestly, not a bad guess, but why over and over again over many years? Uh, I mean, if he's, if he's got gallstones that intermittently obstruct the neck of the gallbladder, and then he gets these you know, worse symptoms than normal. Typically, if you see somebody with gallbladder issues, you'll have 
pain, if it gets bad enough where it causes pancreatitis or significant biliary obstruction, you'll get pale stools, you get fever, hypotension, flushing. And yep, that yep. Reynolds Pentad is oh uh, altered oh mental boy. status. Mike is taking a dive back to medical school. Let's join him. Yeah, Charcot's triad, and then Reynolds <laughs> Pentad. Start naming every <laughs> every eponymous name you can think of right now. So, not a bad guess because well, wait, you're right. I'm taking back one of the other guesses if I'm not right. Okay, I will tell you because I am not walk- right. Yeah. Okay. You're not right. But you know, it's it's not a bad you're definitely thinking through it correctly because you you could have some of those things with cholangitis. That's infection of the gallbladder system. I will say, you know, we've taken we take we do see it. Every once in a while you get a gallstone that comes out of your gallbladder, it plugs up the whole drainage system for the gallbladder, the liver, the pancreas, and it makes people really sick. I can only imagine in this day and age if this happened five or six times there, I think I can say confidently is no way this king would have lived this long would you agree with that oh sure yeah all right but even uh, one not, of these attacks if you get cholangitis you're probably toast back then yeah i would i would imagine it's very likely especially so no great uh not a bad guess do you want to take one more before i uh, let the cat out of the bag here um i mean i i kind of rem- so I, you want me to get i'll give you the quick summary no no it's fine. pain psychiatric overtones different colored urine those are kind of the main ones i think yeah i mean you start to think of like hypercalcemia not a bad idea. Yeah. Uh, the, the medical school teaching for hypercalcemia, meaning too much calcium in the bloodstream, stones, bones, abdominal groans, moans, yeah, moans, moans psychiatric overtones. Also, there we go. I, so I, I mean, I think that's a very bang on differential. You're in the right neighborhood generally to tie all those things together. But uh, what if I told you, what if I told you that one of the physicians commented that it's weird when the king's urine is left in the sunlight? That doesn't really help. It changes color. Doesn't help. I, I feel like I know what it is because I, I I think I peripherally heard about you, this. So I'm you not do because say. this never comes up in the emergency department. No, yeah, I wouldn't. No, and I'm yeah, I I don't know. You tapping? Tapping out. You submitting. You're in the camel clutch. Mm-hmm. Break your back, make you humble. <laughs> Iron chic. Come on, man. No, I yeah. You, why will you not feed into my wrestling love? Because I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> I could do like Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Walk around oh. with two by four. I don't know. I, that pleases me. Okay. Yeah. The final answer is they think it was porphyria. Hmm. Is that different and than Ridgephyria? It, <laughs> it's so dumb. Um, <laughs> but yet clever at the same time. This is one of these diagnoses that after you go through medical school, you assume you're going to run into because it always comes up on tests and then mm-hmm. you forget about it because it's complex and rare. Let's like go through hemolytic it. uremic syndrome or <laughs> like these are I've always, actually seen that. Though, I right? know, but like, okay, porphyria. I've what seen is a it? porphyria, I think, you know, it's one of those things where, yeah, I can tell you what the word is. Yeah, I can absolutely. look it up on up to date. Let's Mike on all the <laughs> pathophysiology of porphyria. Don't you dare. I don't want everyone to know how dumb I am. <laughs> Oh, I, I absolutely knew all this off the top of my head. So, uh, <laughs> all right, porphyria. It's a complex, it's a rare condition too. It's true. It's a, a real medical nerd's nerd kind of diagnosis. So it's a genetic condition. It's 
a problem where the body lacks an enzyme, which is used to build up heme. That's one of the molecules that goes into your red blood cells to hold oxygen. And for whatever reason, there's an enzyme missing. You don't build this very well, and it leads to a ton of weird problems. 90% of the people who have porphyria never have an attack or a symptom of it. And about 5% will have recurrent attacks, and they're typically set off by infection. So going back to like he would get a cold and, or something beforehand. And people named George Washington. App, did he have porphyria? No, but he probably triggered an attack. <laughs> Distrust do it? That's what I'm referring to. Yeah, I know you are in that it's really... In a roundabout I way. I can't refute that. You don't know. I think that's reasonably clever, Mike. I'm going to give you that one. Another one? Uh, no, <laughs> you're, we're, already, we're done with the guess. Two game. props? No, 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 I, no, no. Where is no, no. Aaron? Aaron would keep us on task here, wouldn't he? Yeah, he would. Oh. Did I say that I miss him? I really, I enjoy having him. Can you can you talk about miss. how much you miss Aaron? I miss him a lot. Yeah. What do you, what do you miss? I you know, yeah, I was like, we can't do this by ourselves. Not that we can't do it by ourselves. Both of us can talk. There's a giant. But it's just different with him not there. Right. Even with that stupid computer talking to us it's just not the same <laughs> oh did you read the article there the google employee got, that got fired because he said there was a google computer that's now sentient and is <laughs> i i saw so now the there's two sentient computers yeah well i we have one google has one absolutely <laughs> uh when skynet ruins the entire world and the human race comes to an end through apocalypse it is mike's fault or Google's fault. One of the two. Yeah. Well, then there, there's going to be a podcast in 3015 and they're going to be like, well, <laughs> but the technology is going to be worse than it is now because of the apocalypse. It's going to take well, us a while to Well, I think that's how you back. usher in the steampunk era, right? Because you're yeah. going to draw on what you had before. Like the wild, wild west with Will Smith. Yeah. That was a slapper. <laughs> it was universally beloved by all critics and audiences. Yeah. It was really good. Returning to Porphyria, Mike, the so here's the other interesting thing. King George's youngest sister, Caroline Matilda, she also seemed to suffer similar attacks, but unfortunately died young. And some people do like in, the, in their 20s and 30s from this. Hmm. And the problem with this condition is it's one of the it's never the first thing you're going to think of unless you get the test question that tells you the no. weird thing about the urine. But unless uh, you're that guy, you know that there's that guy, there's that doc out there. Like, if it's the weird thing, like, it's the weird thing until you prove otherwise. You know, it's just a tummy ache and the weird... Oh, sure. <laughs> the weird guy doc is like, no, I, I distinctly remember my first, I think it was the first emergency rotation I was on as a medical student. And I remember a patient came, I was the, like the first patient I was going to go see by myself as an adorable medical student with my short white coat. I went to go see this patient who had a, I believe, first-time seizure at work. They were in their 30s, and they were of Indian descent, like East Asian Indian descent. And I immediately was, went up to the doc. I was like, I'm worried about neurosister psychosis. <laughs> you would have. <laughs> we all did which, that. Which is a uh, parasitic infection that can, it's not really something you find in the U.S., but you can find in certain countries. And on the test in medical school, you might get a case where it says there was uh, a seizure and a headache and they, there's a bunch of little worms in your brain. Yeah. And I obviously thought in the middle of the Midwest where I made this brilliant diagnosis <laughs> that that was probably the right case. Was it turns it out I was wrong. Yeah. Well, I mean, that whole diagnosis is the reason why I have always been like a little leery of eating pork. Yeah, that's Every right. Every time pork. that I make pork, I'm just like, 
I want to write a note and leave it on the counter. Like I had a pork chop three days ago <laughs> when Just, I'm seizing at febrile on the floor. Uh, that's, uh, I, but like I said, I, it turns <laughs> that's out I something was wrong I've seen. That. I've seen that though. Have you? Yep. Not neural sister psychosis, but sister psychosis. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. So the, the, I mean, the, the actual clincher here, believe it or not, is the urine, or at least the most compelling piece of evidence from what you can glean, you know, 200 years later plus. And there was a couple, there's four different, like really distinct references that they make in the record here. One is that the urine looked bilious, which is like greenish, which is odd. One was that the deeper color, the urine was of a deeper color and it left a pale blue ring upon the glass. At sometimes it appeared like it was almost bloody and then it would clear up. And the cool thing about porphyry is that at least in one form, the more common form, if you take urine and you put it on sunlight, it actually changes its color and, and blue can be seen with that or like a brown color. And don't ask me to explain how that happens. Not because I don't want to. It's because I honestly don't know and don't remember. I, yeah, I clearly didn't remember. I was given the clue and had no idea. Ah, you have failed step one of your boards. <laughs> How does that feel? Does everybody know there's three stinking steps? Oh. Uh, you know what? I bet our audience wants to know if... Uh, oh, four steps. Audience wants, uh, yeah, I think our audience wants to know how medical credentialing works. So let's go into that for a while. There probably are some medical students. Okay. So first right. it starts with... Oh. <laughs> do you think... Do they get short coats? That's a question I have. Do they still have to wear short coats or is it because like... We don't like the participation award. You mean they, the medical students? Yeah. Do they get long coats now just so they don't feel no. uncomfortable? They wear the short coats and they exist in that weird parallel where you're, you know things and you have no power and you feel very awkward because you're singled out by your tiny coat and nobody believes you. Mm -hmm. But you're probably the smartest you'll ever be. Actually, your second year residency, you're probably the smartest you'll ever be. Like in all things but life? The, uh, or are no, you talking in, medicine? In medicine. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair because you have you have just been so close to all these tests and mm -hmm. a lot of it doesn't always translate into the most practical knowledge. Right. And in 10 years out, you'll be the dumbest you've ever been, but you'll also be the best at your job. Yes. That is a strange dichotomy. I 100% agree. Isn't it weird? It is weird. I like, I yeah. Think, you know, true story. I think when I started, when we started working together, I think you actually said that to me. I probably did. And then <laughs> now that we've come this far, I was like, he is right. <laughs> Well, there you have it, guys. That is that is the probable diagnosis, and there's no real. That's hard to prove, right? Let's so we have to kind of go and then suck the <laughs> the urine out of his bladder okay. and put it in the sunlight, and then taste it. That I think if you write a nice letter to the monarchy, they might mm -hmm. let us do that. Dear family of King George the <laughs> Third. <laughs> so it's. <laughs> If only we knew who it. they were. I'm going to do Actually, doesn't Dr. Fitzharris live in the UK? Ooh. Do you think okay. that she could maybe just go ask them real quick for us? <laughs> I, I think all we have to do is ask, and she probably would. I feel like they're really approachable. It's not like... It's she was not very like, nice to us. I think she would do that for us. It's not like our uh, our ruling class here. No. Yeah, with security exactly. guards and... You, just, you blast the, the queen on Twitter, and you're like, hey... Up. Yeah, because those Buckingham Palace guards, they don't move at all. You can just walk right past them, right? <laughs> I think so. I think that's uh, I think that's all they do. They just and stand just there. Quick question. Might mm -hmm. Gavna? Go I like Gavna. When we do eventually have the poor historian's trip to England, I think you should do all the talking. <laughs> 
just be like, no, I don't speak British, but my friend does. Ah, oh, governor. We're looking for King George III's body, governor. The, the third. Thrown out Not the England. second, governor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. No, just they, they, uh, they brought in a, <laughs> a patient. This is this is what Mike does when he's not sure if he should say something. Yeah, I'm. I just. I think it's okay. But they wheel him in. He's in a wheelchair, and I think he had passed out or whatever. <laughs> but it is not British. But every person he walked or got wheeled past, he would just go, "Hello, love. <laughs> Hello, love. <laughs> Hello, love." Got in the room. Hello, love. And then the doc walked in the room, and he was a told dick to him. <laughs> Wait, the patient was a dick? Yeah, or? I was like, why didn't you That's say awesome. hello, love? He's like, I don't know. He was really mean. <laughs> hello, love. Probably, Doc probably deserved it. Mm-hmm. He mad about that. So, you know, in the modern day, if you do, you know, gets diagnosed now and again, there is treatment for it. And honestly, it actually involves sugar water, which is the one case I ever did see was not me making the diagnosis. It was a person who came in and said, I have porphyria. Here's my care plan for when I have an attack. I'm having an attack. And I was like, cool. How much sugar water, water did you have to give them? Sugar water. Is it? Well, uh, can't they drink their own sugar water? Apparently it goes to the IV. I, I don't know how it works. It goes, it's so it's, dumb. That, that was and probably why it, doesn't e- it doesn't exist anymore because of all the Coke and Pepsi out there. Everybody's yeah. con- chronically drinking sugar water. It sounds like a very reasonable explanation. Mm-hmm. But that's why there is an epidemic of tummy aches. The tummy ache epidemic of 2022. <laughs> we should shut down tummy aches. <laughs> Someday we will cure tummy aches, but we can at least treat porphyria in the modern age. So it is fun to speculate. I think, honestly, after reading this, it's probably a very reasonable explanation for uh, how this all transpired. So are you uh, convinced, Mike? Yeah, I think it's reasonable. Um, Yeah. Mike's convinced. So I think that's probably where we have to leave it. And that's all we have time for today. We appreciate everyone listening, and we'd love to hear all from all of you out there. So if you'd like to send us a message or provide feedback, we can be reached through our website, www.poorhistorianspod.com. There you can find links to our social media sites, as well as our merchandise, which I should add again, we do have. And thanks to those folks who have picked up a few shirts and those things, which keep the show uh, up and going. We take emails at poorhistorianspod at gmail.com, and we work to respond to all posts on our various social media accounts. If you have time, please go and leave us a nice five-star review on iTunes or whichever platform you so choose to listen on. And if you're old-fashioned, write down your thoughts and make us a mimeograph of them. We'll be charmed by the effort alone. You ever done that, Mike? A mimeograph? I have no idea what that... Is it like the spiral thing that you trace? Yeah, it's kind of like a copy. old Old-timey copier before Xerox was cool. But until next time... Oh, wait, wait. Uh, Aaron, come back. Come back, Aaron. I can actually see tears, Aaron. Come back. Those aren't tears. That was urine. (laughs) 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 Aaron, Mike is leaking all over for you. All right. Poor historians signing out AMA. you make it weird you make it so weird it's my thing now apparently i think it is your thing what other whimsy do you have whimsy oh i'm all out of whimsy you want to see this is sort of topical check out this book i got for my birthday oh nice peaky blinders i watched that a while back and then um the cocktail book it says the cocktail book hmm so it's just pictures of penises and butts (laughs) (sighs) Ah... <sighs>